Amen. You can be seated. It's been a good day already. Two of you thought so. Great. All right, we got work to do. Kidding. Hey, if you're a guest of ours, I'm really excited that you're here. My name is Mitch. I get the joy of being one of the pastors at Redeemer City Church. And uh, if you are a guest, we're in the book of Ephesians, so you can turn there with me. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2 and going to be looking at the last few verses, starting in verse 11 to the end. But as we begin, I want to kind of set up this text with you and put you in the right frame of mind and really draw you into kind of where our world is right now, kind of where our cultural moment is, if you will, and just uh, acknowledge the fact that we we live in a world full of rivalry, don't we? You ever just think about that? Maybe you would use a different word or tension or whatever it is, but we live in a world full of rivalries, right? So I brought a couple couple pictures to just kind of help us understand that, right? So Jordan, if you throw the first one up there, we'll see which ones of you are spiritual and which ones of you aren't, all right? Like, do I even need to talk about what this rivalry is, right? One is from God, one is not, right? <laughs> I'll be laying hands on anyone with an Android phone in the back afterward. <laughs> Kidding, sort of, right? Like, we get that, right? Like, we're, we're not confused about the jokes that we tell each other and all that, and, and just like... They, they stand for something on their own, right? Like they, they are just iconic in that way. Let, let's go, let's just increase in importance here, Jordan. Go to the next one, right? Coke or Pepsi? How many Coke fans in the house? Pepsi fans? How many of you are like, it's going to rot my gut? I'm not touching any of that, right? Like anything that can clean up a battery terminal that has corroded probably shouldn't go in your body, but nonetheless... If it's got cherry in it, I'm having it. All right? <laughs> All right? Let's go to the next one here. All right? Some of you shoppers, like, I have to put the names up there. We just know, right? Like, I heard some of you go, oh. Some of you are like, yeah. Right? <laughs> All right? Like, we'll just go right past this one. We won't talk about it. Right? Like, what about the next one? We're just increasing in importance here, right? Like, anybody? Anybody? No? Okay. All right. Touchy subjects, right? Touchy subjects, all right? We're going to get even touchier. Next one. All right? Yeah. Oh, look at the groaning in church today. My, oh my. This is going to be a great text for you about peace, right? Right? Now, let me shift gears for just a second. And, you know, let's, let's not be so silly. Well, let's talk about this one. Let's not talk about it. Let's just look at it. Keep to yourself. All right? <laughs> just boo all of them. <laughs> right? But, like, we get it, don't we? Like, th- this is the world we live in. We, we live in a, in a world that is oftentimes at great odds with each other. You can take the pictures down. We're getting distracted, Jordan. <laughs> feel the stairs burning into my soul. <laughs> but we can, just with silly illustration, we can quickly funnel into the problems of our, of our day. Can't we? Right? And, and these are things that 
really in the scope of eternity don't matter. Like if we want to move into things that do matter, right? Like we, we can we can dive into the church world, right? And we can talk about the same kind of rivalries between church A and church B and we can talk about all those things. We understand that, you know, if we go into religious, political, cultural. It's the world we live in. And and honestly, around the world, like some of these rivalries, some of this opposition, it even can be deadly. So we we, we understand that. And, and I, I bring that to us because this is the place that we step into in the last part of Ephesians chapter 2. Right? So we've been talking about this glorious truth that we are saints, that we've been adopted into the family of God, and that because of that, what we talked about last week, what Carl preached last week, was because of that we can live. We, we can truly live because we're free in Christ. We can live that way. So as we come to Ephesians 2 verse 11, Paul shifts gears just a hair because we go from by grace you have been saved through faith. That he's prepared these works beforehand, before you were ever a thought in your parents' mind. That we should walk in them. And then Paul shifts back into the reality of the world that they lived in. Right? And so as we gather and we celebrate and we sing and we worship together corporately, we are all very much aware that tomorrow, some of you even this afternoon, will step back into that place in culture where Jesus must shine. Right? So here we are, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. We'll just read to the end of the chapter. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be on the screen. Uh, but follow along as I read. And remember that this is the words of God. Here's what Scripture says. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at that time, separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise. Here it is, having no hope without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace, who made us both one and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that He might create in Himself one new man in place of the two so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross thereby killing the hostility 
I love this next verse. And he, Jesus, came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For though, for through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Amen? You're dismissed, <laughs> right? Like, I don't even know if I need to say anything after reading that. What an amazing thing. This miraculous thing called the church. Sometimes we lose the wonder of what God is doing in the world through the cross, through Himself, in His people. That you, me, insignificant us in the scope of all eternity matter to a God who walked out of the splendors of heaven into this broken place so that you might find peace. A powerful thing. If you don't know Christ today, if you're not a Christ follower, if you have never bowed the knee to Jesus, can I just offer you Real Christianity. It's not the rivalries that you've heard. It's not the oppression that we've caused. It's the God of peace that came. Right? We look towards Christmas and we say things like, Emmanuel, God with us. Wow. I mean, it is outlandish if it's not true. But it's true. What an amazing thing be easy to read that text and come to this scripture today and think well man that is it that's a nice text <laughs> that makes me feel really good that all that is taken care of and it is but there's a lot more going on here isn't there the human author inspired by the holy spirit who wrote this book was paul who at one point people knew as Saul of Tarsus right like let's not forget that the guy who wrote this letter uh, had this massive shift take place in his life, right? Like we, we just saw in the news an ISIS leader taken down by the governments of the world, right? And, and however you feel about that, like we all understand that when, when that person was taken down, like there were people in that area that felt immediate relief, right? Because there's fear there, there's hate there, there's all kinds of things wrapped up in that. That was Paul. That was Saul. Like Saul was the guy who if you were a Christian and if you have time, go back and read Acts and read the story. Saul was the guy that you were afraid of. Saul was the guy in the news. He was the guy being talked about. And when he became a Christian after killing Christians, the church didn't even believe it. They're like, that's nice for you, but I'm not going to hang out with that guy. And yet, here's that guy, that terrorist, 
brought to Christ through the blood of Christ, writing these things, God can do the impossible. So when Paul talks about a dividing wall of hostility, that means something, right? It's big. You know, we find ourselves in a world, you will this afternoon and tomorrow and even right now, full of affluence and opportunity and entertainment that is at best confused and is at worst hostile towards each other on so many battlegrounds. I just listed a few off the top of my head. Race, gender, marriage, religion, freedom, politics. I mean, we could go on and on and on, right? And then we could come inside, inside the church and we could talk about all of our issues too, right? Like, let's not point fingers. Inside the church, we have struggles with race, gender, marriage, religion, freedom, politics, etc. So, so sadly, this is oftentimes the state that we live in. Derwin Gray, a pastor in the, in the Carolinas, wrote a really good book called The HD Leader. And here, here's what he says about that first century world compared to our 21st century world. Here's what he said. The first century world was filled with racism, sexism, division, injustice, and oppression. Sounds a lot like the 21st century, doesn't it? Then he goes on later to say, before King Jesus, the earth had two groups of humanity, Jews and Gentiles. After Jesus' resurrection, a third ethnicity was supernaturally born. The multicolored, multi-ethnic church. Then I love this line he closed with. He says, The church is not a weekend destination, but a blood-bought, multicolored people. Amen? So when you come with that backdrop to the text, I just want to point out three things for us this morning, for us to consider, and we could never in this time slot cover what is here. So just know that my goal isn't to give you everything that's here. You should take this this week and mine it and pray through it and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you where you need to be spoken to as only He can. And go to it in that way. But with that backdrop, what I I want to call you to this morning is to get on a ladder with me that has three steps Three steps of this ladder that that honestly you can only climb this ladder if your vision goes up. Right? Think about that. If you are climbing a ladder, you have two options. You can look where your feet are or you can look where your destination is. And I want to suggest that looking where your feet are is going to cause you to not take a step. We must take our eyes up, right? To God. To Jesus, right? Hebrews says we fix our eyes on Jesus because Jesus is the vision, right? Like he is the prize. (laughs) He is everything that we want and need in the world. So number one, if you're taking notes, is this, that rivalry exists. Rivalry exists among us. It does 
an us-versus-them mentality does exist. And honestly, for those of us in the body of Christ, it's not helpful to pretend that the issues don't exist in our world. That is not helpful. Because they do. We're a broken people living amongst other broken people with the same big need for a big Savior. We're all on that level playing field. So, let let me just be more specific. It's not helpful or right to pretend that racism does not exist. It's not helpful or right to treat people who are confused about what gender they are any less than those who aren't confused about it and are made in God's image because we all are. Different beliefs do not call for different treatment according to the golden rule that Jesus gave us. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you is universal and unqualified. It is. It's not that you sacrifice the truth because what does Jesus say? It's the truth that will set people free. But we do know from Scripture that if we don't do it in love, if we don't go and bring people the truth because we love them the way Jesus loves them, the way Jesus loves us, we can have it right and still be wrong. We need a high view of God and a high view of His holiness so that we're not confused about how horrific sin is. So clear so that we understand that our sin is just as awful as anybody else's sin. Every one of them. Uh, can I just be honest with you, friends? Like, I, I have a hard time with this. Like, there's just some stuff that I struggle with that I don't think it's as bad as some other people. And that's, that's, that's sinful. It really is. <laughs> I was studying this this week and I remembered something my grandma used to say, right? It's probably you've all heard it. But she would always say, like, if she saw me get grumpy or something, you know, and you know grandmas are. They just always have the sweet little word and you're like, mm. <laughs> But I love you because you made me pie, right? She used to say this. She used to say, Mitch, two wrongs don't make a right. Yeah, but two, three lefts do, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> I can beat you, Grandma. I can get this figured out. But, but she was right, isn't she? It's not our job to fix people. We can't. I, I can't fix myself. Let alone you. Right? It's our job to love people and walk them to the hem of Jesus' garment, Right? where there's hope and healing actually possible for them and possible for us, for both of us. It is, in fact, one of the reasons Jesus came, right? Luke chapter 4, that He came to set people free, to loose the captive, to open the eyes of the blind for you and I. And it begins with ourselves. So rivalry exists. And it's not helpful for us to act like it doesn't. It does. It's a broken world. And as you go share Christ with people and you tell them your story 
it's okay to acknowledge the fact that these rivalries are there. That this world is a broken place. And to be honest about that. It's where the story starts. In the brokenness. But number two, if you're taking notes, is that redemption is possible. Right? So, so in our honesty about the truth of the brokenness, we're equally honest and equally passionate and equally excited about the fact that redemption is possible. It's possible in Christ. Right? Because what does the Scripture say here? It says that even Jesus who took the brunt of a lot of oppression, came and preached peace, shalom, fullness, wholeness. You see, there's a difference between peace and perfect, isn't there? A lot of times we come to Christ wanting Him to make things perfect when all He really offered was peace. He said, he, he, said, he said it best, right? He said, I'm not taking you out of this world, but I'm sending you into the world <laughs> with peace. It is equally ignorant to believe or act as though we have no hope. Don't be a doomsdayist. Don't be a negative Ned or a negative Nancy because you have Jesus. If your name's Nancy or Ned, I apologize. <laughs> Our new life in Christ reconciles us to God and allows us to move towards each other. Right? Because prior to what Christ did on the cross, it, it, that, there was no hope for that. There was no hope to move together. We were separated. We were hostile toward each other. And oftentimes we still are, but there's, there's this thread of light. It's like the dry ground cracking. You can see it in your mind where there's light that just pours through with great power into the darkness. By moving our vision up, we are forgiven of our sins and healed where we are broken, becoming more like Jesus, more dependent on Him. Maybe a better definition for us of sanctification today is not that I get better and better, but that I become more and more aware of my need for Jesus. And in that, He will continually change me and move me into the image of His Son. Because that's when we can go look with Jesus at the world in the way that He looks at them as sheep without a shepherd. And leave the 99. You're the 99, by the way if you're in Christ, and go after the one. We don't live without hope. We don't grieve without hope. We don't mourn without hope. We live with great expectation that the best is yet to come, but it's not here. It's there, in Christ. When He brings His kingdom on earth, just as it is in heaven just in Tampa as it is in heaven. So, those who are far and near need peace according to the Scriptures. 
So whether you've grown up in church your whole life and are numb to the peace that is yours in Christ or whether you have just been radically transformed by the blood of Christ recently, we all need this peace. We never outgrow good news. Number three. So rivalry exists. Redemption is possible. But maybe the place we need to land in our spirit is that reconciliation is the heart of God. It is actually the heart of God. That there is a blood-bought reality that Jesus is building His church with beautiful people struggling with all kinds of issues from all over the world to be His own possession. The place that He chooses to dwell. Think about that. That you... And I, with all of our problems, with all of our brokenness, is the place that He chooses to dwell. He knows how messed up you are. He knows how messed up I am. He knows how good we are at hiding it and faking it. And yet, He chooses you. I think somebody in here, maybe every one of us in here, need to let that wash over our soul today and be set free by the truth that Jesus loves you and He bought you as His own with His blood. Talk a lot about blood here. (laughs) Maybe if you're not a Christian, you're probably like, (laughs) I know it's Halloween week coming off of it, but talk a lot about blood. Listen, that, that, the cross of Jesus is a horrific thing. I was reading a book this week that talked about the fact that, that we, we can't even celebrate the cross. We lift it up, right? We sing those words, but to celebrate that is to celebrate the horrific nature of what Jesus was tortured for, which was me. But he did that so that he might become this cornerstone. This first brick, this first stone in the corner of this beautiful thing that God's building called the temple of God, which is not a place, but is a people. And so as we move our eyes up and we climb to this third ladder, third rung of the ladder, I just want to encourage you that as you bring your eyes up, to Jesus, to just allow Him to move in to the dark places in your heart and shine light where there's brokenness. In the original language in Greek, that word built together, those two words is actually one word and it's this idea that He's taking two things that were totally different and fusing them together, melding them into each other to become one thing. That's what this built together is. Because honestly, we are better together. What we actually are because it's in other people that Jesus uses them to show us who we are. And how to love and how to live. So he takes these two things and brings them together to make one people. And it's through the work of Jesus on the cross. So what he did in coming to earth... And living for 33 years a perfect life and 
dying on the cross a violent death was him preaching peace to you. That the things you have going on right now, you can find freedom in Christ because of what he did on the cross when he shed his blood. That's why we talk about that blood. Because God is equal parts loving and equal parts holy. And the holiness has to be satisfied as much as the love. And instead of like every other religion in the world telling you what you need to do, God looked at you as a loving father with reconciliation in his heart, recognizing that you could not do for yourself what you needed to do. You cannot. And so instead, he sent his son, his only son, John 3.16 says, into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved reconciled back to their father through the son come as you are but go and sin no more in the power of God the Holy Spirit through the work of Jesus shedding his blood on the cross that's the gospel reconciliation is the active work that Jesus is doing all around us so when you walk around this week here's your assignment see the good we always look for the bad. Are you like me? Is anybody like me? <laughs> Driving down the road, <laughs> idiot. <laughs> look at that. <laughs> and then you like your like three year old in the back starts going, <laughs> and you're like, I'm an idiot. <laughs> I'm the idiot, right? Like it sometimes it's just from the mouth of babes, right? Sometimes it's just my three year old little princess in the back seat copying daddy. And that's a silly one. It gets worse when they begin to copy the things that... You get it. (laughs) Reconciliation is the active work that God's doing around us, but we have to stop looking for the bad and start looking for the good. Because it's everywhere. It's all around us. I love what Tim Keller wrote about this idea of shalom, this idea of fullness and peace. Here's what he said. And I'm going to have the band come up and we're going to take communion together in just a second. But here's what Tim Keller wrote. He said, Shalom is the multidimensional, complete well-being with God, with yourself, and with others. The complete well-being with God, and then with yourself, and then with others. It's very simple, isn't it? You look to Jesus. He comes and looks in. And then we together look out. Shalom is the active work that God is doing in the world. And you and I get to be a part of it. Did you ever think about that? Just how when Jesus was praying and taught his disciples how to pray, what he said was, pray then like this, that God's kingdom would come on earth just as it is in heaven. And you might look around and say, man, there's a lot that's broken here. And I would say, you're right. It does exist. But I would also say, if you look, you can see the good. It is there. Because Jesus is there. And so, yes, Satan is roaming around the earth. 
seeking whom he can devour. But God has made it possible for us to have peace 